2020 has been a hard year. Uh, we can all agree on that. And it's not over yet. And it seems like each day uh, a new tragedy strikes or a new hard thing um, in our area in the Pacific Northwest. You know, not only are we struggling through the pandemic and figuring that out, uh, we've had the wildfires on the West Coast and smoke coming, thank God, for rain um, this weekend to clean up the air a little bit. And we've also experienced some significant notable deaths in 2020. Even yesterday, we learned of the bad news of um, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, passing away and leaving just a giant hole in our nation and also um, potentially some, some drama and conflict in uh, the political sphere. We also learned not too long ago of the passing away of Chadwick Boseman, who had been struggling with cancer secretly for a long, long time, uh, finally succumbing to that, and a superhero uh, for many, many, many of us um, passing away. And then finally, um, just to name another, uh, Senator John Lewis passing away, a champion for civil rights, uh, made his way from uh, farms of Alabama to uh, the Senate um, and he was honored what an amazing uh, funeral that was as almost every single president that was alive uh, minus one was present at his funeral and uh, laid to rest um, well let's do scripture reading Acts chapter 9 32 through 43, and this is the NIV version of the Bible. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helped the poor. About the time she became sick and died and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got on, down on his knees and prayed, turning toward the dead woman. He said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you. Uh, that we can come, um, even if we are not together physically, to 
worship you and learn from the word of your holy scriptures and we know that your holy spirit is already present moving among us and uniting us and also uh, preparing our hearts to receive um, what your word has for us may we be transformed may we grow um, and continue to bind us together in the truth of your good news in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit Amen. Right here in this section, we turn for a little bit, the end of uh, chapter 9 and chapter 10, to Peter once again. And we know that uh, in verse 31, that the church experiences a peace, right? Because Paul and Saul is no longer persecuting the church, and they uh, uh, come to a time of, of peace and growth. And that's where Luke transitions to Peter, traveling about the country. And he goes to visit, it says, the Lord's people. But actually, in the NRSV, the Lord's people is, uh, the word saints is used. And this is the first time that saints is used to describe Christians here in the book of Acts in 32. And um, coincidentally, verse 41 that same word saints. So our story today is actually bookcased by uh, the word saints, the people of God, Christians, the followers of Jesus being called saints. And saints is this, I mean, sometimes when you think about saints, it's only for special people, right? The, the most holy and holy of people are saints. Like they have to be dead um, before and have like a history behind them before we'll call them saints. Um, but really, in this use, it's for all the believers. All the believers are saints. And, and that's a message for us even today is, as followers of Jesus, as a church, we're saints, which just means that we are holy. We are set apart. We're different. We're in the world, but we're different. We're set apart to be a people of God and a light and a witness because of how we live because of who we are, because of who we worship, that the world sees that we're different and the world can see Jesus in the way that we live. And so Peter, now that things have opened up um, a little bit, he's coming out of his stay at home in Jerusalem orders. He's coming out and he's traveling the country to visit people because man, this, this, the gospel is going out, you know, and people, in Samaria, if you remember, and even Gentiles are starting to follow Jesus Christ. So Peter is checking it out. He wants to see what's going on in this growing community. And the first story we see is that he finds a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. And Peter, in the way of Jesus, right, in the tradition of Jesus, says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, right? There's that in the name of Jesus again. Not me healing you, but Jesus Christ is healing you. Get up and roll up your mat. Get up and roll up your mat. This reminds us of Jesus healing the lame man in Mark, right? Get up and pick up your mat and carry your mat. Get up. Um, immediately, Aeneas gets up. And all those who lived in Lydda, and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. 
So Peter has traveled uh, 35 miles, around 35 miles northwest, northwest uh, from Jerusalem to Lydda. And that's where he does this healing. But that's 32 through 35. What is that? Four verses. But the remainder of the passage that we read and that we're looking at today, uh, about 80% of it is devoted um, to the second part, the second miracle, the second interaction uh, that Peter does. And the, the miracle that Peter does is to raise this woman, this disciple named Tamitha, back to life. Peter raises Tabitha back to life, and this uh, carries the weight um, of our passage. Um, and this brings me to another point that I uh, wanted to make about Luke and his writings, both in the Gospel of Luke and in Acts. But if you look at the Gospel of Luke, uh, one of the patterns that you'll see is that oftentimes Luke pairs male and female people in his gospel. So, for instance, in the infancy narratives, uh, we see that male and female protagonists are paired together. You see Zachariah and then Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary, how they receive uh, the news about Jesus, uh, um, the, the prophecy of Jesus being uh, born. And then you have Simeon and Anna, right? And then Luke, later on, and Luke pairs um, the naming of the 12 disciples, he, right? He names the 12 disciples. I think that's Luke 6 or so. Um, and then later on in Luke 8, 1 through 3, he names uh, the woman, the female disciples who also followed Jesus. Um, also in some of Jesus's parables in the Gospel of Luke, we see the same male-female symmetry pairs happening. Right? In these parables, Jesus uh, addresses women and he addresses as well as men. Um, and he incorporates uh, activities from everyday life uh, into stories that include both male and women. Uh, so, for instance, um, if you remember the parable of the mustard seed, uh, the seed was planted by a male. Um, and then next to, placed next to that is the parable of the yeast. The yeast was used by a woman. Uh, and that would be in Luke 13, uh, 18 through 19, and then 20 through 21. And again, in Luke 15, we have the parable of the lost sheep, right? Who was the, uh, the sheep was lost by the male shepherd who goes in search for the one, right? And right after that, we get the parable of the lost coin, and the coin was searched for by a woman. Another example of a parable that has this gender pairing, uh, the parable of the persistent male, uh, the persistent friend who's a male, uh, and that's uh, paired with the parable of the persistent widow, female. And you can find that in Luke 11, five through eight for uh, the persistent friend and Luke 18, one through eight for the persistent widow. Um, but why, why, why is this important? Why, what is Luke's reason for using these male-female pairs? 
Um, and I think it goes to highlight how important people are, all people, male and female, to Jesus, right? And, and to the writer Luke, that there's a radical inclusiveness when it comes to, uh, to how Jesus uh, treats women, approaches women, includes women. Women in Luke's gospel are disciples of Jesus Christ. They follow, it's not just the 12 that are following Jesus. There are faithful women and powerful women disciples who followed Jesus during his ministry on earth. And um, I think Luke's, Luke's message or what Luke is trying to say is that women um, are equal participants in God's grace, equal receivers of God's grace, and equal participants in God's community the community of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see, um, this continue in Acts, uh, the same idea continues in Acts, and that it's not just about the men, but women are held in high regard. Women become significant disciples in this new community. And we see here an example, an episode of a woman named Tabitha, her name Dorcas in Greek, who was always doing good and helping the poor, who was a very significant person in a time, in a culture, in a context perhaps when no one would highlight her because she's a woman or no one would say anything a big deal, much less um, that the disciples who are begging Peter to come and do this miracle and come, maybe they're not saying, maybe they didn't know Peter was going to raise her from the dead, but they heard that Peter was in Lydda and they said, come to Joppa because Tabitha has died. Mourn with us, weep with us, and Peter travels the 11 miles to the coast, to Joppa, which means it was important to Peter. It's important to Luke and Acts to include this story. Because who was Tabitha? What did Tabitha do? When Peter goes to her home, she's already been cleansed. She's already been prepared. Her body's been prepared. And she's laying dead uh, in the upstairs room. And what he witnesses is that, oh, there's hordes, there's numbers of widows, women, whose husbands have died. And this is a significant in that culture because in the Jewish law, in the Jewish traditions and teachings, there were traditions that were created to uh, take care of a widow. If a woman's husband died, she had no means. She had no way to have income or provide. And so the community was to provide for the widow. And we see that all through scripture, we see that as part of God's heart, like care for the widow, care for the orphan, care for the stranger, the refugee, the foreigner in the land, the widow, the widow. And what I say widow, and you remember, what, what other place in Acts do we remember widows? We remember widows from Acts 6, right? A complaint arose among the Hellenist widows. Right? The Greek-cultured Christians uh, were complaining because of injustice in the distribution of foods. For some reason, they weren't being 
taken care of, as the community should take care of widows. They were missing out somehow on the food that was being distributed. And so that's when we get, we see the Philip, we see the Stephen call to be deacons, to be, to help administer the food. And we see the ministry of the Hellenists, the ministry of Philip and Stephen. Um, but here, the widows, once again, are weeping over the death of this woman of Tabitha. And why are they weeping? Because they loved her and because Tabitha loved them. Tabitha loved them. Tabitha, it says, always did good. And they loved her so much and they appreciated her so much that they were actually wearing the clothes that Tabitha had made for them. Because that's one of the things that she did is that she made clothing. She made robes and other clothing uh, for the widows to provide for them. She committed her whole life, day by day, to feeding and serving, to helping, encouraging, to meeting the needs, uh, even to the point of clothing these widows. Widows who are often neglected, widows who um, were neglected or were poor and um, weren't always provided for or didn't have means to be provided for. So what does Peter do? He sends them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And once again, we're reminded, right, of Jesus raising the little girl uh, from dead by saying, Talitha, come, remember? And Tabitha, get up. There's so much similarity between those two that actually some, some uh, scholars believe that this was the same miracle. One attributed to Jesus, but uh, one, one here in Acts being attributed to the miracle of Peter, but it's actually the same event being described in a different way. I don't know. All we know is Peter is doing this in the name of Jesus, through the power of Jesus. Tabitha, get up. She opens her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He touched her. He took her by her hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers. What does it say? Especially the widows. He called for the believers, especially especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. God cares about the widows. Jesus cared about the widows. Peter does one of his greatest miracles. Uh, it's a miracle of Jesus, but through Peter, raising a person to life on behalf of widows. And he especially calls the widows, and I think Luke is highlighting the story again to say, yes, widows matter in the kingdom of heaven. Widows matter 
in this community of faith. And the ministry of this woman, Tabitha, matters, is significant. She is a faithful disciple. She is worthwhile. Who knows how much work and good deeds and powerful ministry Tabitha did after this, right? Her life was over. People were mourning. But Peter touched her and she was raised to life in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the author of life. And she continued, no doubt, to minister to the widows. This is significant. God saw this as a significant ministry, as her as a significant minister and missionary in the way, in the cause, in the mission. So important that she was brought back to life. Amen? Brought back to life. A woman. You know, we live in uh, very divisive times, especially in the United States, uh, around politics, around um, uh, different, it seems like different realities that people hold about the facts and what's going on and who um, is good and who is not good. And, uh, and the same is true in the Christian community and the Christian faith in our country. Uh, it seems like almost two different religions. I was telling someone the other day that, man, how could those Christians over there believe those things and say those things or focus on those things? Are they reading the same Bible that I'm reading? Because Jesus says this is important and this is important and this is important. And one of the things that has gotten me riled up is uh, when I say that I support or that I'm against Trump and for uh, a Democratic candidate, they're like, how can you vote Democratic? How can you be a Democrat? Uh, don't you, uh, don't you, uh, aren't you against abortion? Aren't you against the killing of babies? Um, and don't you value life? And that upsets me because it's as if Everything about becoming Christian is attached to being, to the one issue, to one issue, abortions. And so, abortion. So I, I wrote this little thing um, in my Facebook, like, if you were introducing someone to Jesus Christ, if you were witnessing Christians, if you're introducing a new person new to the faith who's not a Christian to Jesus Christ, and you're wanting to witness to him, and you're wanting to explain to her what it means to follow Jesus, would you lead in with abortion? What, is that what, hey, come follow Jesus. He's against abortion. No, you would never do that. Wouldn't you talk about Jesus's love, his compassion, and the way he was kind and merciful to the sick, the poor, the needy, how he pointed to his father's care and concern for the, for the widow, the orphan, and the immigrant. Just read how many times, do a Google search, widow, orphan, immigrant. How many times God says in the word of God to his people, take care of the widow, the orphan, the immigrant. Love the widow, the orphan, the immigrant. Because you were once strangers. And I delivered you, I helped you. Or wouldn't you talk about to them, introduce them to them a Jesus in the Bible who valued women in culturally radical ways as we see Luke presenting here in Acts a culturally radical way 
of elevating Tabitha, this woman, and these widows, the ministry of Tabitha. And yet we have Christians who downplay the role of women in the church and say, you can't lead, you can't speak, you need to be silent. This is not what we see in the Bible. Why do we focus on one or two verses and not the whole of Scripture? Do you know your Bible? Do you know your Bible? I'm not saying yes or no, I'm against abortion or not. That's not the point. I'm saying you are making it political by saying this is the most important thing and then being blind to all the other things that Jesus cared about in Scripture, in the whole of Scripture. The whole of Scripture. Would you lead in with abortion? Or would you talk about how Jesus touched the unintouchable on the front lines of healing? Right? Jesus did an essential ministry. He had an essential job. He was on the front lines with the paralytics, right? The unclean people that the Pharisees claimed as unclean. Lepers, unclean, don't touch them. He touched them. He healed them. He was on the front lines, and I'm sure... He would be on the front lines today, touching people, caring for them, healing them, worried about them. Right? Wouldn't you introduce them to a Jesus? I'm not making this stuff up. It's in the Gospels. Who dropped the mic in front of religious leaders, the hypocrisy of religious rulers who had dragged a woman caught in adultery and condemning her and were ready to stone her. And he said, he who has sinned, not sinned, cast the first stone. And they walked away, dropped the mic, hypocrisy. And he loved that woman. Would you introduce them to the Jesus who challenged the religious establishment? Because of a systemic oppression of the weak and the foreigner. The Jesus who overturned tables. Because they had made his house a prayer for all nations into a den of thieves and robbers. That Jesus? That Jesus who protested in the temple? Who actually destroyed property in the temple? Because he was passionate about the injustice. That Jesus? Would you tell them that Jesus is the Lord of life who died on the cross for us but on the third day was raised to life, conquered death and demonstrated life, capital L, life, life in the way he lived and served and preached on a day-to-day -day basis? Would you talk about how beautiful Jesus was in life? And how he spoke life to those in despair and hopelessness. Would you? And this is what we see with Peter here in Acts chapter 9. He's walking. He's traveling. He goes 11 miles out of his way to Joppa to heal. A or not to heal, but to bring a widow back to life. And to say, God 
to other widows that were there around her, God hears your cries. God sees you mourning and God weeps with you. And before we get into too much despair because might is right, or we just see the strong and the corrupt winning in our world, while all the poor and the marginalized are hurting more and more and getting pushed, it seems like, is there a God we're losing? And it keep, the, the tragedy keep, is, keeps pouring on, the economic tra tragedy and struggle and stress it seems like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and those who are having a hard time. And God hears the cries of his people's heart. Even if there are leaders that don't care, even if there are leaders in our nation that don't have compassion or empathy, God sees. Even though there are people who are trying to erase the history erase the fact that we we have propagated injustices against African Americans right? we stole land from Native Americans and we're trying to say our history is the best history ever there's we it was a perfect history no God isn't about sweeping things under the rug God hears people's cries God wants to hear the struggling and the suffering and bring that to the light. Just as Tabitha's story and the story of these widows is brought to light here in Acts, we are supposed to look at that, not the praise and glory and the triumph of some fake image of exceptionalism. That is idolatry. The truth will set you free. God sees truth and God sees and hears the cries of his people. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Tabitha and the ministry of Tabitha. Thank you that Peter was there, that you led Peter uh, through the Holy Spirit to that place to affirm um, not only to affirm uh, the widows there and the, and the ministry of Tabitha, uh, but also to do an amazing miracle of bringing someone back to life. And I pray that when it seems like the game is over for us, for many of us, or when it seems like things are dead and cannot be resuscitated, that you will breathe new life and hope to our nation, to our churches, um, to all the people out there listening who are crying and praying to you, breathe new life. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We, we beg of you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.